Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back, Rare Talks, you already know what it is, like, comment and subscribe, if you haven't, make sure you go over to the Spotify and check out the exclusive episodes, so this episode will probably be on the Spotify before you've seen the video to it, yeah, and today I'm joined by a special guest, yeah, my brother, yeah, doing big things in the community, you know, we always have to make sure we bring it back to the community vibe, because the community is what really means something to us, you know what I'm saying, so, no further ado, introduce yourself, my brother. Afternoon, bro. How you doing? You good? I'm, right, I'm good, I'm, man. Um, so, David and Jai, Project for Youth Empowerment, um, working with young people and families in the community. Yeah. I don't like to put ourselves in a particular bracket, but we predominantly work in the Croydon area, mm. trying to intervene, trying to prevent, trying to deter young people away from a life um, that's not prosperous for them, so to speak. You know what I really liked about your project? The first thing that I saw is that you work with a lot of the youngsters. Mm-hmm. Um and I think intervention from a younger age needs to be done. So that's one thing that I saw that I was like, raw, you're, you're proper taking them up, doing things with them, getting them to build their confidence and stuff like Because that's really, really important, especially with the younger generation, that they have some sort of different. Does Absolutely. that make sense? Absolutely. So even if they do go back to that, they know, raw, I was doing something different once. So maybe in a few years, I can do something different. Exactly. There is opportunity for something different. And I, and I guess that's the premise of what we do. Um, so obviously we were speaking before about a few things, but mm. it's about having a bespoke, tailored program to the young person. So mm. the first kind of question that we ask any young person that, that gets referred to us, so to speak, is what are their needs? What do they want to do? What do they want to achieve? Mm. And then we'll try and help them on that journey. So for example, if a young man comes to us and says that he wants to play football, I'm not going to sports direct to buy a ball and go to the park and say, show me your left foot, show me your right foot. <laughs> what I'm going to do is work with other organisations who specialise in football, for example, take the young person down there, let the people who are running that session, for example, know the needs of this young person and kind of tie that in with the way that we mentor them. So we would still do the one-to-one work with them, but at the same time, there needs to be that that level of professionalism in terms of football where they can go and they're, they're seeing the aspiration as opposed to me going to the park and kicking the ball with them. Yeah, so that doesn't make no sense. Exactly. And it's really important for me that we have that approach because no no two young people are the same, right? No. Um, and whilst it does pull a strain on our resources sometimes because we're, we're being pulled from pillar to post, like mm. myself and my colleagues, but 
we have to do for the best of the young person. And again, if a young person gets referred to us and we can't take that on, then let's work with a partnership organisation who can take on that work because I don't want to do myself an injustice, the organisation an injustice, all that young person and their family an injustice by knowing that you're not really giving and devoting the time that you should be, you should be spending. Yeah. Exactly. And, and some of the young kids, they're coming from um, troubled backgrounds as well, so Lord knows what's happening inside of their house as well. So them not... I remember when I was doing some youth work as well, um, the little youth said, "Raw, I've learnt... This is what the little youth said. I've learnt more from you and Brother Rashid than I've learnt from my own dad. And I was like, whoa, that's a mad statement. I don't think it's... We taught the little youths how to fight, to be confident, um, to speak your mind. Like, what are you doing on this planet? What's your purpose? Like, stop doing this. Like... Yeah, we're just teaching them basic life skills like every week. They'll learn things from man just by how we're interacting with them. So I know that um, that plays a big role um, and consistency as well. Absolutely. Know. And I think that, that word there, consistency, is the key thing when it comes to working with young people and families. And I always mention families as well because working with a young person is one isolated situation. But mm. the family... And, and what's happening in the backdrop is actually having a, a bigger effect as well sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's about tying the two in together. Um, but you raised some interesting points about some of the young people that you've worked with in the past because we are able to have real conversations with our young people. Um, and I think that's what we're blessed with. Yesterday, my colleague, my partner Wayne, um, at our Saturday Youth Club was literally just going around to the, to the young people. Where are your parents from? Okay, cool. Your parents from Jamaica. What part of Jamaica are your parents from? Mm. Oh, I'm not sure. Why don't you know that? Mm. And it starts to unravel different types of conversations. Mm. And the conventional, hello, how are you? How was your week at school? It's nice. Yeah, it's, it's the nice little pleasantry. But really, we want to kind of get to the roots. We ask our young people where they will take a woman on the first date, for example. Um, or we ask our young people, so I don't want to act like we just deal with boys. We want to ask our young people, is it right for the man or the woman to pay on the first date and why? Mm. And it's about having those type of conversations, conversations where... Yeah. We can be real, innit? And, and the thing about young people is that with their parents, mm. they're, they're, there's a barrier, right, in terms of communication. I was saying yeah. to someone yesterday, brother, I can't believe you just said that because I said this. I said, who your child is in front of you as a parent is different to who they are in their social groups. Absolutely. Your child might be like the innocent person and you think, oh, my child would never do that. In their peer group, Lord have <laughs> mercy what they're getting up to. And um, do you see that a lot with kids? 100%, 100%. I, I get young people that will open up to me, have mm. proper conversations that I know when I'm speaking to their parents, they're like, obviously, there's some things that we can disclose for safeguarding purposes, we have to disclose, mm. but there's other things that are private conversations between us and a young person. And we will say to a parent when we take on a young person, we're going to have private conversations with your young person, but those are our conversations. If mm. there's a matter of safeguarding, we will then come to you and, and share the information with you. Mm. That rarely ever happens, to be fair. And most of the conversations that we have are private conversations. And I think, for me, we build great relationships. And it goes back to that whole thing about consistency because once you consistently engage with young people... I've had a young person who has come on board and doesn't want to engage in any way, shape or form. Give it two to three weeks. You show them a little PS5. <laughs> <laughs> things change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> little change. food, give them a little food. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Little things change. And it's about trying to find that point of engagement with a young person. There's always a moment where you can engage with them. 
Always. That's always the moment. That, what you just said. That's key. There's always one moment. Like the whole night, they might be sitting there silent, and they just come to you and say. So look, I, I got a scenario. My friend, yeah, he's seeing this girl, yeah, but like, and you know, you just look at him. Me, I'm just so on point. I'm like, yeah, he's talking about himself, but let me just, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah. So your friend, yeah, All right, cool. How old is your friend? Oh, he's like, oh. Uh, I know he's talking about himself, but I just, the love that I got for him, I'm not gonna let him know. So he's telling me the whole scenario, and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, out of the whole night, I've seen him silent, not saying anything, and I'm thinking, well, oh, this is why you're silent. This was probably going through your heads, and you want to ask man this question, and he asks me kind of separate. So we're all walking. I'm walking in front. He's come to me and stood on my side and start speaking. Obviously, I know you don't want anyone else to hear. So I know that. Um, Sometimes the, every young person has a moment when they do engage, even if they're silent for three, four weeks and they'll say nothing. They'll come to you with one or two questions. Yeah, it's hard at home, man. I don't know if my mom's talking about she won't kick me out and all that things, man. What am I going to do, man? And like that support there, how you support them from that moment is so pivotal if they will ever take you on and take you a serious absolutely, person. Absolutely. And, and you know what? What you're basically saying is trust. And, yeah. and I think there's obviously a key few themes that run through working with young people, etc. Mm. But trust is that major point where once they trust you, that is it. So I think the most complex situation or situation, the most complex case that I'd worked with a young person was a young person who um, was on who was on bail for murder. Um, and he was working with a local authority. They weren't able to engage him. And because of some good work that my colleague had done mm. with a young person and managed mm. to preserve his freedom, so to speak. So he, he managed to get a suspended sentence for a young man who'd committed a crime. Um, he was also a victim of crime, but through the remorse that he'd shown and through the work that he'd done with my colleague mm. um, and the engagement that was built, when it went to court and he read out the, the, the pre-sentence report, part of it was paying testimony to the fact that he'd showed remorse and he was trying to better his life, etc., etc. So another boy was in the case and was being represented by someone else and being supported by a local authority. Mm. That local authority then approached my friend and asked him, could we support this young man who was on bail for murder? Mm. Which is quite a unique situation, right? A young man on bail for murder. You don't really, the two don't really correlate. Mm. But due to a lack of evidence, there wasn't any conclusive evidence and it was more circumstantial stuff. Mm. He, um, he was on bail. But the local authority couldn't engage with him. They would find it really difficult to engage. He would have conversations with them. He wouldn't speak to them, wouldn't really open up to them. Right. So they asked, could we come in and kind of work with him? So started working with him literally, literally the same week of lockdown. It was two days before lockdown. So we sat down, we met, we had an open conversation. At this point, it was, you know, when the world was a bit mad, do we wear masks? Do we not wear masks? <laughs> <laughs> like, like do I go outside or not go <laughs> yeah, outside? Exactly. Is there a toilet roll, no toilet <laughs> yeah. roll? Yeah, yeah, it was mad. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that situation, like I said, we went into lockdown. It was difficult to then engage him apart from communicating with him on the phone, etc. But to try and get him to do courses, etc. It was kind of non-existent other than online stuff. And he wasn't really of that ilk where he wanted to do online stuff. So... Once lockdown eased, one of the things that he said was was part of his goals, that w what he wanted to achieve was to go to Chelsea Football Club. He's a ch massive Chelsea fan. He wanted to go on a tour of the club. Mm. And part of that was a promise from, from my perspective that we'll do that. Because during those months of lockdown, he couldn't actually do any courses or do anything that he set out to do, mm. I felt like I still had to fulfil my promise to take him down to Chelsea Football Club. Mm. Took him down. And from there, the relationship that we built was based on... I think from, from our perspective as Project for Youth Empowerment, it's like sticking to what we said we're going to do. Um, and that's where the trust kind of kicked in. Yeah. Supported this young man through his trial um, for two weeks. 
um, last September. Went every day with him, supported him. The one thing that we never got into was what happened on that day of that alleged murder. Well, let's say alleged murder. The, the murder that you're alleged to have done, what happened on that day, we never, ever had that conversation. And for me, it was important that we never had that conversation because I'm not there to judge anyone. So we support young people who are victims and perpetrators of crime. And I think one of the things that I want to make very clear is how trauma affects young people. Young people who are victims of crime, as well as perpetrators of crime, more often than not have gone through something in their life um, and had some traumatic experiences, which I'm just going to be open and say it. As, as black men, we are not transparent and open enough about our feelings. Um, we don't show our vulnerabilities. Um, and I never try and perpetuate to our young people that, you know, I'm some hard man. I've never been on the road. Like, I've never been the guy who's <laughs> sold drugs. I've never committed no serious crime. Mm. I've never tried to kill, stab. I've never carried a knife. Mm. And I'm not saying it in, in terms of judge, judging anyone or saying that I'm better than anybody else mm. because we all have our different paths. But I think I make it very clear to my, to my young people that you can still achieve your goals by not doing the things that you think your friends think are cool sometimes. Yeah. You yeah. don't always have to fit into the box. I know, man, as you know, I know man on road that do stuff, but I choose the, the path that I choose um, and I don't judge other people for the path that they choose. But I do think it's important as well as men to, and I say as men, and I don't want to sound chauvinistic, but I think just, just in this particular situation, because I'm referring to that, that case there, um, we have to, it's important that we're transparent about how we feel, feel. our emotions. And like yeah. we were saying previously, COVID, whilst it was a negative situation per se on the world, it was a great opportunity for us to kind of reset and realise, you know what, who am I? Who do I want to be? Where am I now? And how am I going to get to where I want to get to? Because we have to realise that our feelings, um, physically, we kind of show them outwardly. And I always use the example, if I walked in here with a bandage on my finger, you're going to ask me what's wrong. Mm. But... Mental health kind of gets overlooked. Overlooked, bro. Especially in the black community. I think that we don't speak about our mental state a lot mm. because we look at it as people are going to think we're weak, we're vulnerable, and we don't want to look weak. I remember my friend said, "I don't." Want, his leg was hurting. He's like, I don't want to go out on crunches, man. People might think I'm weak and might want to mash me up. I'm like, no, it's not even that deep, man. Like, But I could see where his mind was at. He just... He didn't want to feel vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And maybe because he's went through something when he was younger and he was actually vulnerable. So he never wants to go back to that situation. And the trauma that a lot of kids are suffering, not just the ones that are, the ones that are the, the crimes happening to, but the ones that are committing the crimes. I think a lot of people, because it's glamorized on the internet and the music makes it look glamorous, like when you stab people, you get them down. Right, right, right. There's an other side to it as well. The PTSD side, the uh, being paranoid side, uh, people mashing you up and you don't know who they are and you're thinking, right, how did man mash me up? And, you know, constantly thinking that everyone's trying to set you up. That paranoia and, and stuff, that's a mental health, brother. Mm -hmm. To be out there every day, yeah? I remember I was out with my missus and I was just like, I was just like everywhere. And she's like, what's wrong with you? Like, are you all right? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm cool, I'm cool. She's like, you're not even known in these days. No one's known you. But I'm, because of things that Happened you've done previously. years back, you're just thinking in your head, because something's happened to me before where a man's not really aware and from behind man's got hit and man didn't even know what was going on. So I think a lot of kids are suffering from mental health mm -hmm. to do with the PTSD. And I think because they're not coming forward and saying it, it's getting put on tracks, made look glamorous and man's gangster and all this and their friends are giving them weed, they're smoking star dog, bar dog, every single 
Um, I don't know the names of the drugs now, but I know that you smoking some strong stuff that even when I'm near it, I'm like, bro, bro what is that, brother? Like, that smells mad. And they're like, yeah, this is the, this is the new technicality, Mali. I'm like, okay, cool. So them man, uh, they've got that going on. They got the music and the mad frequencies getting to their minds. Because remember, the, the music now is, is, is devilish. Mm-hmm. The demonic music is taking over. Men's calling themselves demons. You have to actually understand what's going on. And that's why when you die, I tell them straight, man can't say R.I.P., I can't say R.I.P. You called yourself a demon, bro. Where did demons come from? They come from hell. They go back to hell. You can't You can't tell me now I have to feel sorry for a demon. What the hell, bro? You was killing people and sending them back to hell. Or you sending them wherever you was. They were going. So how can I feel sorry for you? It's not like you're innocent you. If you're caught up in this life and this is what you're doing, then there's consequences to it. And I, f- I feel like the, the, mental health, the mental health side of, of the streets is never spoken about on a large scale. It's always spoken about on, oh, look at the youths, look what they're doing, look what they're doing. But you see that side of the youths losing their minds to the streets and they don't even know they're losing their minds because my brethren used to work with, um, used to work with a trauma unit at the hospital, my brethren, yeah, um, Bin Bucker, yeah, and he used to basically work with youths that got stabbed. He used to say, all right, the body gets stitched up, but the mind, as soon as man walks out, his mind is finished because he's thinking either he's on revenge or he's, he's proper shook. That shookness that he's got is different type of level of like he's getting anxiety when he sees someone running at him. Like yep. you know what I'm saying? He's uh, freezing up because he thinks that maybe the youth that running up, you know what I'm saying? He's freezing when people are running up to him. And you might think that's nothing, but just imagine sitting in your house and you're going through that. You hear someone knock at your door, no one's knocking my door. Why is someone knocking my door? You're you're just paranoid. And that, that mental health side of um of the roads is not really spoken about a lot. Absolutely. So one of the things that we do actually is we do, and it's partly due to COVID as well, we kind of had to adapt. COVID was kind of good for us as an organisation at a time where we kind of had a moment where we could reflect and think, okay, how can we do things slightly differently? Mm. Um, So we started doing some online sessions and ironically what you're talking about is what we spoke about on Thursday. So one of my mentors is um, a barrister, criminal defence barrister. Mm. And why it's a great representation, obviously you don't see many black barristers right Mm. so the fact that he was able to come in and speak to our young people about not only his journey the fact that he grew up in Fort and Heath and he was one of only a few black boys that went to St Joseph College you know the school yeah yeah, yeah. um but his journey has been quite a meteoric rise and now he like presents and hosts tv shows etc goes on tv shows shall I say um so he spoke and I asked him quite a pertinent question about young people that he represents so he's a Mm. defense barrister so I asked him, what is the difference when you first meet a young man at the first day at court and that moment when they are found guilty? So he says the bravado that this young person displays in the first couple of days at court and, you know, everything's all normal to them. It's, it's, it's a situation where they're kind of seen, and you know it yourself, mm-hmm. but they kind of see it as a bit of a status symbol to even be in that situation because they think that, quote-unquote, they're going to bust case, right? Mm-hmm. Um but that moment when they get found guilty, their whole persona changes. And he's talking about screaming in the cells, distraughtness, crying, um, to the point where he even went to the extent of talking about people that he's represented committing suicide. And that that side of the story never gets spoken about or exposed to young people before they even want to step into that life of crime. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a, that's an important point as well that I want to make. The young people that we work with are not solely difficult, bad kids, 
at risk of exclusion, mm. etc. A lot of the work that we do is actually just trying to prevent that stuff from even perpetuating in their life. Mm. So it's just about putting on positive activities, trying to give them reason, hope, development, new opportunities, as opposed to, because I think sometimes it gets looked at, you work with a difficult kid, you work with a bad kids, the kids that no one wants to work with. Yes, we have challenging cases, but equally, the majority is to just try and keep these kids on the straight and narrow because fundamentally, the reason why we started as an organisation is because they're not enough out there for young people. 100%. 100%. And I think that um, it's very good that you said that. You're not just working with the kids that are on the wrist or the roads are killing. Actually, some kids that are just, just growing up and they just want to live a normal life and do Absolutely. fun activities. I want to go to the farm. I want to yeah. go. Because you, you take the kids, I'm pretty sure I see you lot taking a few trips. And, and yeah, I, also, li- I like that stuff because um, for me, when I was growing up, I feel like, that's the type of stuff that really plays a long-term effect on you. Like, you'll be 35 and you'll be like, oh, I remember this time, yeah, we went to Wells. Do you remember we went to Wells? And I was doing the, the biking thing. And I was on the bikes and man nearly dropped off the bike. That thing was sick, do you remember? Because then it'll make you go through life knowing that there's more to life. Absolutely. And you know the more. thing about it, that the key thing that you've just kind of raised there is that what we wanted to do is bring young people from different schools and different areas into one place Smart. where they all congregate. Smart. Because when I grew up, I used to play football a lot. Yeah. And I used to play, I, I was originally from South London, yeah. but I used to play football all around South London and built relationships with people who I, didn't, I never went to school with. But now I can still consider them to be my friends. Yeah. And being honest, I feel like if I was from a different ilk and I was on the roads, situations that I might have got myself in I might have been relieved by some of the circles of friends that friends, I had that, yeah, and the foundations yeah, that yeah, were built from yeah, when you're young. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's about taking away them barriers. I feel like too many segregations have been created in our communities where this part of Croydon don't want to go to this part of Croydon, this part of Croydon can't go to this part of Croydon. No, you come together and we all work together. And that's why it's really important. Every time I hear someone saying that they're doing like a little football thing on their ends and different blocks and the ends mm-hmm. that all come, the little kids are all meeting each mm-hmm. other is so integral for the next few years of your life because you'll see youths that are with other youths and be like, Raw, can't you go rob that you? And you'll be like, no, nah, I kind of know. I used to go football with him. Ooh, that's, exactly. I mock. Exactly. And he's like, you're right, Jason. He's like, nah, he's cool, he's cool. Like, like, like. Or it might go the other way, but yeah. nine out of 10 times, when you kind of know someone, you've got a good relationship from young, it's kind you kind of allow the person. It's, it's just a natural thing. Absolutely. It's just a, it's not because you think, I kind of know that person. It's not really like, I don't know that person. Sometimes you might have a bad friend that's on it, but... It's more time, it's, it's a, like, I kind of know him. And that even opens up different doors. Because I might be like, all right, I, I know you from somewhere. You used to do that. And then I've come for a jump interview. And that you used to, you know what I'm saying? So now we're building different type of relationships exactly. can build in so many different ways if you know people. Exactly. But if you, there's no foundation of knowing, and we're just all in our little areas, and our mother's got us in the house because they're all scared to send us outside, mm-hmm. what happens to them little kids? Exactly. And, and you know what? That's the thing about preventative work. So I'll be real with you. Myself and my colleagues at P4IE, it's not about recognition, it's not mm. about plaudits, it's not about winning great awards or, or being recognised and, mm. and held up in some bright lights. What it is about is that preventative work that you're never going to see the currency to, if that makes sense. Mm. You're never going to see what event or what thing that you put on that engage young people to come together that mm. may have prevented something happening later on down the line. Mm. You're never going to see that. When young people are in school and they have conflicts with another school, they're just being um, protective over their school and their surroundings and their friends, etc. Mm. Once we take these people out of that environment and we bring them into a session where we have control over it and we tell them our morals, we tell them what um, our values are and we repeat these to our young people so they have mm. to know 
what we are about. Respect being the most important. Of course. Um, empowerment being extremely important. So mm. our, our tap line, our struggle, our strap line, excuse me, is engage and empower. That's what we aim to do. It's just engaging with the young people, engaging with the families and empowering them. Because if anything happens to us tomorrow and we're not an organisation, I want to know that the people that we've supported know where to go to for that support. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah. signpost. It's not about owning. And like I said to you about the football example earlier, it's not about us owning everything. It's about ensuring that these young people realise what's out there for them. A lot of parents don't actually know that some of the services and provisions out there for them. So it's our responsibility to kind of educate them and give them that information. So then if you know that information, you might tell your friend. And that's empowering the community. And that fundamentally is who we are about. It's not... Mm. I don't want people to be like, oh, do you know what, P4I done this major thing. No, I want to empower you to empower someone else who's going to empower someone else. And that will then trickle down through the community. I think what you just said was um, it was key, that um, you want to empower. It's not about um, status quo, but it's mainly about the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. Because, like, again, like I said, um, the most important thing that I've seen with to do with any youth work is consistency. Because mm-hmm. we used to run something called the Friday dinners um, for like little youths in the hood. Um, and we used to like just bring them together, give them a little talk, remind about Islam, and say, "Yo, here's some food." And red tear, tear. And I remember the first start; it was like four, five youths, six youths, ten youths, twenty youths, thirty youths, forty youths. I'm like, bloody hell, it's picking up. But one thing I did realize when I was um, engaging with everyone was that um, everyone has different needs. Yeah, everybody, everybody in there has different needs, and everybody's different, but we're all one. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And we took them to Wells as well, um, like a little trip. And one youth said, I'll never forget the youth, he said, Rah, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And, you know, for me, I'll be honest with you, that word that he said was more important than any amount of money that you could give me. Because in my mind, this is just nothing. Like, I've got this funded by somebody. I didn't even spend the money, one penny out of my money. But I've still bought stuff, obviously, because I like to spend my dough, but... This is all funded. Like you lot are living your life. Like I'm just here to just help you. Lot. And when I heard a lot of you say that, I thought there's no amount of money that can ever pay for feeling knowing that I've changed someone's life. And then now, like say four or five years down the line, I see the little youths. Some of them are married, got jobs, doing well for themselves. And it makes me happy to know that I was kind of in that journey of their life. If you speak to them and you, you ask them about that, the one thing they'll remember is that, yeah, them man, man, them man, help me here. And like, they, they got love for man. And we brought all the youths together. So we have youths from Tulsa. I brought youths from Tootin, youths from Brixton Hill, youths from Ballam, youths from Streatham. So I brought all the youths together and said, bruv, none of us are divided, bro. Like, we're all one. We don't do postcodes. You know what I'm saying? Forget the postcode thing, we're all one. And I remember you had youth from Croydon, youth from Lewisham, everybody. And then what happened is people made their own friendships there. Exactly. So youth today are friends because of that, exactly. that they linked yeah. at my thing. Exactly. You see that feeling in myself. Yeah? I love knowing that I've done something like that. Mm-hmm. To me, you can't put a price on that. I know what I've done and they know what I've done. That's all that matters to me. But, but it's funny you say that because I always use this example. The real currency of working with young people is just to see them smile. Like yeah, that, that is the real currency. Yeah. If you can make young people happy, you've made my day, innit? Mm. Like there are some days, and I'll just be totally honest with you, there's some days on a Saturday, get up to go for the youth club, and I'm like, oh, just today, I wish I could just have today off. <laughs> but once you're there with the young people, yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. I, and just to give you the example that you used earlier, I don't, I don't care if I was speaking to someone yesterday who just passed and was asking a few questions. I don't care if three young people turned up. Don't get me wrong, it was very populated yesterday, mm-hmm. but if three of them turn up, that for me, I'm happy with that. We can 
play football, play PS5, we can have conversations, we can play blackjack, we can do arts and crafts, they can cook a little food, whatever it might be, whatever they want to do, we can do it. But like I said, for me, yeah, that currency really comes from the point where you know that, you know what, I've had a positive impact in this young person. This reminds me of what I was doing, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, It reminds me of what I was doing because I never used to forget, yeah, I always used to be nervous. Is anyone going to come this week? Anyone come this week? And then out of nowhere, bare people's like, late, they'll pop up like 30 minutes for you. I wouldn't really care because it's love, innit? But like, there'd always be at least four to five youths that come. But I always used to think, oh, is anyone going to come this week? I always used to think in my head, oh, I bet you come, yeah. oh, Is anyone going to come? And then when one of three youths came, I'd made sure me and them engaged hard. Yeah. Like yeah. me, we're the best, we yeah. like our bridges. Like, yeah. I'm giving you like, my proper time. And, like, this 10, the same thing. But um, yeah, I didn't really care about numbers. It was all about just... This is what I'm doing. And you know what the funny thing? My life would be crumbling outside. The youths probably didn't even know. Exactly. My life was falling. I'm talking about like, you know when mountains are falling down? Absolutely. My life is literally falling apart. They don't even know I'm nearly losing my job. I'm losing weight. I ain't eating today. Nothing. They don't even know I've got my last tenner and this is probably what I'm going to spend on the food for them. They don't even know that. Mm-hmm. I have no money after this. I'm all thinking about how I'm going to get money tomorrow. But... I still used to come on that Friday and that's when I learned about consistency because I remember one time I tried to take a week off and then the youths would over text my phone like where are you you're not here I'm like bro it's like so I thought I could never take weeks off and I remember my life used to be hectic and I had lots of things going on but I had to come and I always used to tell anybody that I was with on Friday at this time I got a cut like no matter what we're doing or what we're doing yeah, yeah. I have to leave like everybody my mum my missus my, everybody in my life knew that like, that was my time from like 7 to like nine or ten in the night i'm gonna be off the radar for a little bit because i'm with them and i think like i said once you get them consistency and you show them love they will start to open up to you and that's when you'll start to get the most fruit from it because you'll start to identify where the issue lies and as an elder you know okay so this is what you're struggling with Mm -hmm. let me see how i can help Mm -hmm. you and that's when you get them into the right organizations Mm -hmm. and just just touching on that um so it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago um I got a message from from one of my mentees. He sent me a text message, and the message was kind of brief, but it was like, "Happy birthday!" Um, just wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done for me. I don't see you as a mentor. I see you more as family. Blah blah blah. And for me, on that day, I didn't need any. I didn't need anything else. That was it. That was it mm. for me. That that kind of typified what we do and the reason mm. why we do it because. It's not often that you get a young man of 15 years old who's going to open up and mm. kind of show that, and we were talking about vulnerabilities earlier, yeah. and show that vulnerability. Um, so for me, it kind of just proves that the work that we do, we don't have to get the plaudits for it or the praise, but it's the feeling and the emotion that we can open up. And also to allow those young people to feel that they, they've got someone they can trust, someone that they can believe in, someone who's been consistent, mm. um, and someone who shows them respect. I yeah. think fundamentally. Yeah, that's that's, and I, I think that's why all of the mutes now... Me and my brethren, we never looked at them like youngers. We looked at them like brothers. Exactly. And that's why now, them guys got man's back. If man called them and said, yeah, I got chopped, them man would be there in five minutes because I never treated them like young. You know how some olders, mm-hmm. they manipulate the youngers. Mm-hmm. Like, they make them feel like youngers. I never, all of the time, I made them feel like, we lot are my brothers. Like, we're all a family. Like, Absolutely. this is us. We're all a one unit. You know what I'm saying? They was at 16, 17. We are like 23, 25. But man showed them love because man was like, not like big bros and uncles, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Exactly. But man will never look to you like, Yo, yeah, yeah, them youngers. And, you know, we never spoke to them. We never even spoke to them. We were like, brothers, brothers, you look like my brothers, you look like my brothers. And I think 
that's what made them as well, like, got love for mental this day. Exactly. And I think that's where we differ from the statutory services because they can't have those relationships with young people. And I, and I don't want to sound condescending against the, the local authorities, etc. But sometimes what happens is that... Yeah, sometimes what happens with the statutory services is that... And I don't want to sound condescending, but there are times when they can't build the type of relationships that we can build with young people. There are conversations that they can't have due to the jurisdictions of their role and their job and what their what policies they have to abide by, so to speak. They can't have the real conversations with young people. So, And a lot of stuff with them is a bit of a tick box exercise. Mm. So it's about asking a young person, oh, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you stuck to this goal, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas we can deviate sometimes from the overall goal. Yeah, like a man's talking about, yeah, what, your bridging that's got stabbed yesterday. What is he on? What is he really doing with his life? What, is he rolling with them? So what, is he rolling with them? And rolling with them? He's dumb. Obviously, he's going to get caught up. Uh, you can't roll with both sides. Men are going to catch you and do you, blood. So man's talking to them on a level so that, man's talking to them like, raw. man's telling you the realness of it. Absolutely. But you're linking there. But look, listen, I'm telling you, that's not the right way, Carl. You're going to end up probably breeding it, bro. I'm telling you. And you're just going to be mad. I'm telling you right now, you might as well cut your losses now. Like, yeah, man's yeah, talking yeah. to them like that. Like, yeah, yeah. like a man's... conversation. Yeah, yeah, like real yeah. conversation. Man's, yeah, so, um, are you having a partner at the moment? Like, come on. They're going to just be like, bro, move from me. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear the realness and, like, they want to hear it how it is. And that's why I think they'll even respect you more. Because they'll feel like, I can talk to you in my natural habitat. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Not like exactly. I'm talking to my parents. When your parents ask you questions, it's like it's like a police interview. Exactly, exactly. Yes, no, no comment. Like, you know, like, so I think that's really, really important that you engage them in their language, the language exactly. that they understand. Exactly, you know what I'm exactly. And, and I guess that's a bit of a privilege of what we do in terms of being able to speak to them in their language, being able to listen to music that they listen to and being able to dissect things. And yes, why do you, what do you... Do you really think this is cool to listen to? Like, yeah. And why do you think it's cool? Like, don't you think what you're saying is a bit mad about my man's mum? Like, like, don't you think it's a bit wild? But then we can open up the conversation. And we, we don't always agree, as you all know, but it's about having those conversations, conversations and actually open up their mind and getting to know them better and also allowing them to understand, you know what, we're not that far removed. As old as I am compared to them, mm. I'm not that far removed from some of the stuff that they, they've experienced or they're going through, etc. Um, especially just being a teenage adolescent boy, for example, mm. I can understand the difference in emotions that I had at the time. And I remember a point where, and this is probably the height of my adolescence, um, probably about 16. My dad was massive. My dad was like six foot three wide. Mm. And I think I got to the point, um, testosterone must have kicked in like on a, on a double dose that day. Because I thought, in my mind, I thought, and I never said this to him, but in my mind, I thought I could fight him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I could fight him. So I understand when, for example, a young person's going through an issue with their parent and they feel like they want to get physical, or it does get physical sometimes. It's about letting them know, Do you know what, I understand sometimes your emotions are going all over the place. Like, your testosterone, what it's telling you, what your mind can do and what your body can do are two different things. But... Mm. Your mind's powerful, right? So your mind's telling you that that's what you can do, right? Um, but, just slow, you know, but, yeah, but just slow down, yeah? Just slow down a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. and just, just reflect. Um, and also getting them to understand that we've been there um, is, a, is massive because when you start opening up their mind to, this is how I felt, and I can guarantee you that how I felt at the time is not how I feel now, they might understand a bit clearer that actually, do you know what? Maybe, maybe Dave is right, you know? Yeah, I think, I think, that that's key that um 
what you just said about the um, parents because um, with boys as well, they, they do get to a point where they start to feel like, bro, I'll mash up my dad if he keeps chatting rubbish. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Even some of them nowadays, from what I've even heard and seen, some of them are talking about even fighting their mums and stuff and going kind of crazy. And, um, how do you talk to a young man that you know who's abusing his mum? So like, a young man's come mm -hmm. and referred to you and his problem is that he's abusing his mum. He's like mm -hmm. physically touching it. How would you engage with somebody like that? I think for me, I'd get, have to get an understanding of their thoughts and feelings um, at the time. And what, what was the trigger point? What was that point where you kind of lost it? Um, so for me, that, that, to get a good understanding of that. But also, it's about breaking things very simply down to the foundation. And kind of, it sounds so simple, but he needs to understand who his mum is, if that makes sense, in this world, on this planet. Mm. And as a young man, you wouldn't be on this planet if it wasn't for your mum. Yeah. And if you're not going to respect your mum... Yeah. In life, you're not, you're not respecting yourself. And who else would you respect? Because now, if we're going to have a conversation and you're going to tell me that you respect your friend more than your mum, then we're having a new type of conversation, right? Because something clearly has gone wrong. And let's be honest, sometimes parents do get it wrong. There's no right way to parenting, right? Mm. But sometimes parents do trigger their children to a point where the child feels that that's the only way to respond. However, there is a responsibility for that young man to ensure that he kind of keeps himself in check as well. Mm. Because... We can all get frustrated. We can all get mad. I remember I used to have road rage. Not nothing physical, but I used to get annoyed by the most stupid of situations. Park my car in the middle of the road and just leave it there, walk off, come back 10 minutes later while, while I've cooled down. The whole road's blocked and I'm just looking at the idiot. I'm not, I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud to say that that's who I was back in the day, but I had to learn from that because why am I letting situations in life wind me up to that point? And I know it's, it's not a good comparison compared to you know, physically abusing your mum. But at the same time, we need to take responsibility for our own actions in life. And we need to reflect on what could we do differently at that point where we got triggered to stop us getting to that point again. And that's, I think for me, that's the most important thing. Yeah, and I think um, uncomfortable conversations need to be made to have comfortable conversations. Absolutely. So I feel like with a lot of stuff that's going on, especially when it comes to helping young people, it has to be initial uncomfortable conversations to get that com that comfortable conversation. Absolutely. You can't just go in there and just be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think people that do it for the salary, they come in with that mo that mindset. That's why exactly. if you watch a lot of people that are probation officers, they drop out after two years or a year because it's like they realise that I'm not trying to help you. Mm -hmm. I'm just here for a check. Mm -hmm. like, whether you go and get recalled, I'll recall you in a minute if mm -hmm. I want. Like, there's no love there. There's mm -hmm. no building. I think, like... They need to stop the probation service and start a news thing. That's what I believe. Probation service should get scrapped. Doesn't I don't think it usually works. I'm just being real. Like you put him on a course and see him once a week and we're asking about what his life's like. Okay, cool. But he's going back out on them roads after. What have you empowered him with? I went probation and I was just like, bro, this woman's just checking rubbish. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm just staying out of trouble. Yeah, just, yeah. You got a girlfriend? now? Nah, ain't got nothing. No. Nah. I'm just trying to um, just be a good person now, you know, it's life, you know. I never want to go back, you know. Yeah. Am I finished? Yeah, thank you. Bye. I don't even care. You tick the boxes. I just tick boxes and I'm gone. But then I'd meet certain elders in the state and stuff and they'll sit down and talk to me like, yo, you should do plumbing on it. How do I get into that? All right, cool. I'll give you this guy's number. Go holler at him. He's going to help you. Like, cool, thanks. And then I'd call people. And then, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like if you, opportunities need to be more. Do you think that, in your borough where you're from, that you're getting help from the community, like the council and stuff? 
question. Um, I think before I even answer that, I think just to go on the point that you made about probation, my my belief is that the community need to do more. So I, while I take your point about the probation services, but I just think us as a community need to do better and we need to do more for ourselves um, and make ourselves a bit more self-sufficient. Unfortunately, with Croydon Council, um, there's been a lot of um, misgoing-ons, should I say, in regards to how things have been managed, etc. So Croydon Council is a bit of a... Um, tricky conversation so to speak at the moment in terms of <laughs> their support to us um as an organization in our short space of time that we've been around um i've been quite pleased with the support that we've got but we work very closely with a number of organizations within Croydon. um so it'll be Croydon youth offending service the early help team the council themselves um how did they support the young man so, all right i'll give you an example a young man's come out of prison they referred him to you, but now he needs a place to live. Now, he grew up in, let's say, Heath, yeah? And would you say to him, go back to Heath? That's not necessarily our decision. That would probably be made by them themselves. But we've got a responsibility to kind of manage how he develops relationships or maintains some relationships in Heath, for example. So we might suggest that we think it's best that he moves out of the area, but whilst he's in the area, it's about what is he doing in that time. Mm. So that's where we would come in and be responsible for trying to keep his time engaged by doing things, mm. by doing different courses. So we work closely with Crystal Palace Football Club. Mm. We deliver CSCS courses through them. Mm. That can be a bit of a plus moment for us because a young man who potentially might be into football wants to go into construction, the two tie together. Mm. After they finish the course, they can do a quick tour of the stadium, etc., it's about like my, my colleague Wayne kind of heads up the, the, the training and um, recruitment and education side of things. But when it comes to that side of things, he ensures that he keeps them engaged. Once they complete the course, it's a couple of weeks until they complete the exam. So he will engage with them, make sure that they're doing like the online tests and keeping up with, with their knowledge. So for us, it's about keeping the engagement key. We can't, we can't stop a young man from going out of his house today and going to do something that he shouldn't go and do. We can't do that. Yeah. yeah. We can be aware of it, though, and we can try and limit it. But also, the main thing is that we want to keep his time focused on things as opposed to him being in his house and not having any conversation with us for a whole week and then we're calling him the next week. And it's, it goes back to the whole consistency thing, right? Yeah. And, and I think um, that's that's important that you understand that yourself, man, because mm -hmm. sometimes you want to save the world, but I've come to realise that even if you save one, you've saved the world. It's not about, you. I've, I got to the point where I was doing this stuff every week that I saw there were some youths that were just slipping through the net. And I never used to judge them or talk to them after because I always think, leave the door always open. Mm -hmm. Never build like a bad relationship with a youngster where the door feels like it's closed. Because like, think like think about it. If you're going through life, yeah, and you feel like every door's closed, then you're like, even them man closed their doors mm -hmm. to me. You might just give up on hope. And mm -hmm. that's why you're out in certain places that you shouldn't be because you don't even care if the ops catch you. It's like you've given up on life. It's like, I'm here now, and you've seen, man, and you're like, whatever it is, what it is. And then they've jumped out, and yeah, you've tried a thing, and then you're dead. So I, I feel like never close doors, especially on the youngsters, because you don't know in their life how many doors have been closed on them. Wow. That might be the last one that is the last trigger to do the mad one. Mm -hmm. and, and you know you know the thing is, they, they always come back. <laughs> they always come back I guarantee if you don't close the door on them they always come back and it happens repeatedly young people who don't want to engage 
don't want to get involved. You're offering them stuff. They don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. But then it comes to the point where they're looking for my father, like, where else am I going to turn to? And they come back. Um, and it is about keeping that door open at all times for them because it's not about us making any judgments on these young people. It's about trying to give them opportunities, right? Sure. Um, so that is that is the focus. That has to be the goal. And you kind of said it, and just to give you a brief background on how we started as an organisation. So... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. It's going to be our second birthday this month, actually. So we started in 2018, and it was born from four friends. We went to the same barbershop, we had a WhatsApp group, and we used to just bant up all the time about football, about anything. Just four, yeah? No, 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 sorry. The group, sorry, the, sorry, Project for Youth Empowerment was started by four, but the WhatsApp group was a wider group. There was loads of, there was over 20 of us in there. So we used to banter, talk about football, cuss each other. Um, but then there become a point where there was like a point of realisation. And I think it was like 2016, 2017, where we just posting loads of news stories, loads of news articles about young people from the area getting killed, getting stabbed. And a lot of the times it's like, oh, I know that person's, cousin, I know that person's mum, I know that person's this, I know that person's that. But it was never, out of the 20 people in the group, 20 plus people, it was never directly affecting one of us. Mm. So four friends, and like I say, my partner Wayne, um, kind of came to us and said, you know what, we kind of need to do something about it. We're just talking about this thing. Mm. What are we going to do to impact some sort of change? And he was very intent on it, and he was studying um, a criminology and psychology degree at uni, mm. and I think at the time, it kind of refreshed his mind. You know what? Tying the two together and the community, etc. Like, let's let's start a company. I'm going to be totally honest, and there's nothing uh, nothing I've got to hide about this. I was up for it. Did I believe it fully? Did I think we were really going to do it? 
I weren't really too sure. I remember we sat down in um, in a cafe, um, Blue Jays in South Norwood. <laughs> I said Blue Jays. If you know, you know, yeah? Come you on. don't, you don't. Yeah, go ahead. So we sat down in Blue Jays, obviously had a lovely breakfast. <laughs> but the thing about it was, is that we're sitting there, we're like, okay, cool. Like, we're going to set up this company and whatnot, but where are we going to get these young people from? Start talking about, are we going to go to the churches? Are we going to do this? Are we going to do that? Like, where are we going to get these young people from? Now, and, and I'll come back to the story, but now... We're at a point where we co- we're having to turn young people away and refer them to other organisations. So it's a, it's a meteoric rise in, in that way. Um, but yeah, so like I said, we were having like consultancies. We were speaking to people. We were asking people advice. Again, still, personally, was I believing that this was really going to be where we are now? Not really. But at the same time, I'm sticking with it. I'm running with it. Like, let's let's try it. Um, and then. My colleague uh, Nicola and Wayne set up a Facebook group. Had a load f- over five thousand people in there, just offering support to parents. Um, and a parent came to us and said that she wanted support for her son, which is the same case I, I referred to you about earlier—the suspended sentence. Um, and from that moment, my colleagues Wayne, Nicola started working with a young person. And now, now we're really doing work. Now we're actually working with young people. We're going to court. We're taking him bowling. Where he filmed a documentary for a, um, a Dutch. Um, journalist who wanted to do a report on knife crime so we interviewed the young man who was involved in knife crime um yeah from there we just started networking um and yeah it, like i say over the last couple of years it's, we've had challenging times we have challenging conversations amongst ourselves with young people with parents mm-hmm. but it's part and parcel of, of the work that we chose um so when your phone rings at an odd hour at night and a, mm-hmm. and a parent's worried about her son it's part of the responsibility that we took on. And for me, it just fills me with joy that we can actually help. And, and I think fundamentally that's... When I lost my, my father in 2017, I think the one thing that I took from it and the one lesson that I learned from it was, what is your legacy? Like, what are you leaving? That's and it. for me, that's when it just tied in perfectly with working with young people. Like I said, I had my doubts. My colleague, my partner, Wayne, pushed me. Um, and I'm happy that he pushed me because we're still here and we're still persevering. And I think there's there's still a lot more to come from us as an organisation. But mm. it's it's an honour and a privilege mm. to see some of the young people smiling. It's an honour and a privilege to deter a young person from a life of crime. And it's an honour and a privilege to see some of the confidence that's built amongst some of these young people. We had a young man um, who was working with a particular organisation and everything that came from the referral was quite negative and he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to do that and mum doesn't want to do this and family don't want to do that blah 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 mm-hmm. this young man is flourishing like he his his development has been nothing short of amazing um and i think again it's not only testament to the work that we do because it's not only us and we, and we realize that as well mm-hmm. we have to work with the schools we have to work with the parents. Yeah. So we can't take sole responsibility for saying that, you know, what we've mentored or worked with a young person and we've turned their life around. Yeah. It's not about that, but it is about exactly what you said. And just to tie back to it, that whole story, what you mentioned about saving one life is exactly where we started. I honestly couldn't care less if it is just one young person that we can save and put on a positive trajectory. That that is for me. That's it. That's the be all. The bonus is if more do it, but the one is is it's a beautiful exactly. feeling of that exactly. one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, so what's kind of like some of the challenges you faced in doing this? Because you've said spoke on some already, but like from your own self, because are you taking trauma home for yourself? Because obviously, if you're dealing with all the, so much people's problems, are you taking them problems home with you sometimes? 
Not necessarily, no. I can't say that. I mm. think the one example that I will use, though, and, I, and I'm not afraid to say it again, um, when the young man got found guilty, remember, this young man was on bail, so he was going in and out of court freely. Every day we were meeting outside the court, myself, him, his mum, the barrister, and we were openly having conversations. Um, the day that he got found guilty and I walked away from the court, I could have easily cried. I shed a tear, but I could have easily cried. And that, for me, that was the biggest challenge. I never necessarily took it home, but the feeling of his mum, like how, how I saw her emotion afterwards, um, the disappointment from like the legal team um, in terms of the result. And yeah, I think that was probably the... the biggest moment that's hit me the hardest so to speak but again like I said it, it is part and parcel of the game and it's funny because we're still in contact I go to I go to visit him well I say I go to visit I'm visiting visited him once um obviously due to COVID etc um and the one thing he said he said you know what <laughs> David like I'm so grateful because that last day you bought me my last pizza that I've ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> Man said you bought me my last pizza. It's mad how people, people remember the maddest things in their exactly, minds. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that put a smile on my face. But again, like I said, the, yeah, I think for me, at the end of the day, you know what? If a young man has committed a crime, mm. there's a responsibility that he has to face the consequences, right? Of course. I'm not here as judge and jury. The The... The law suggested that he was guilty and he was found guilty. Mm. I'm not then going to make a judgment based on him, but I can't act like I wasn't emotionally attached to the whole situation and I didn't that evening feel a bit, yeah, I think that was the biggest moment where I felt like, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm actually taking something home. Well, usually, no, I don't think I do. Because um, the taking home thing was um, something that I kind of learned after the first year of doing youth work that I couldn't take stuff home because mm. people tell me all kinds of things and, in my mind, I'm like, bro, is this man said, man really said it to me. Like, well, that's mad, isn't it? Like, on the way home, I'm just like, that's mad. Is he going through with someone else? I have to be careful, you know. I need to just check on him a little bit more. Like, forget just once a week. I have to holler at my man, like, once a day, bro. Because what he just said to me is kind of peak. You know what I'm saying? So um, I feel like um, sometimes you do take little things home with you, um, depending on what it is and how close it is to you. But... Um, you see, with youth work here, yeah, um, what do you think, what resources would you need to, like, take it to another level? What resources do you think that you would need? Um, well, the massive thing is that we need a permanent home. Um, that is the biggest thing that we need, and that's what we're pleading for at the moment. I guess we have spaces that we can operate from, um, but what's difficult is that we don't have, like, a drop-in place. So it will be nice after school for young people to be able to come in give them some support with their homework, um, kind of give them a place to go. Um, just to give you an example, um, we ran a, a summer club in a school in um, Croydon over the summer for a period of five weeks alongside another organisation, Mentivity. So we both tied up together and we're delivering like a, a summer youth club, basically. Mm -hmm. um, some of these young people that attended that summer youth club were directly from that school. They didn't attend school last year but they came to the Summer Youth Club. These young people are now attending school now as a result of the relationships that was built in kind of integrating them back into school. Mm. Some other of these young people were not getting meals at home. As you know, through COVID, um, a lot of families were challenged because 
food wise they used to rely on school to provide the main meal the main meal to young people once covid hit financially parents were challenged we would visibly see young people at the summer youth club who weren't eating right at home and were coming constantly literally for the food so by us having a space that will allow us to address some of those issues because anytime we run sessions we're always providing food refreshments as well as the the other side the holistic side of actually covering the mentoring the group staff the workshops deep, the games etc i didn't know so, families went, that yeah, was, that's really bad that's uh, that's the reality of that's the reality of the situation so it's funny that you mentioned that because part of covid part of our reset was actually we started a food bank so we were going out in the community and just delivering food i was cooking jerk chicken twice a week once a week sometimes and going out and delivering hot meals culturally appropriate meals to families in the community we were providing bread, pardo bread, bun, cheese. Um, if someone asked for it, you name it. We got. It up. I remember one time um, someone asked for, it was an older person that asked for adult nappies. And we weren't providing that sort of thing. Um, it was just food. But at the same time, my colleague Wayne said, you know what, I'm going to go and get it anyway. They've asked for it, I'm going to get it. But it, it kind of just opened up our eyes to the fact that, you know what, the community is actually in need. And that's why I go back to that point of we need to come together. And fundamentally, by giving us a space, and this is what I'm, we're always pleading for, mm -hmm. by giving us a space, it will allow us to do our work a bit more consistently, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, yes, we have a permanent space on a Saturday, we, we, we have our youth club. But outside of that, in terms of a permanent space, we're still lacking that. Because a permanent space would what give you, and what area would you want that in, like Croydon or something? Ideally, yeah, ideally. Yeah. Do you know Dexter Sims? I do, I do know, I do know Dexter. Yeah, he's got a little place himself. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We all need to link up on, on our. Yeah, with Dexter on Friday actually, I was at a community meeting um, with Dexter, so I attend a meeting actually with with Dexter. Oh, so yeah. we're part of a um, a big project called Mayans. Um, Mayans is a project that was kind of born from the Croydon community coming together and addressing some of the more, more serious issues that were happening last year. There was a lot of knife crime. When Black Lives Matter happened, there was talks of a massive protest happening. So the community came together with the police. So that's another thing I haven't mentioned. We work quite closely with the police. But anyway, um, as a result of that, um, City Hall came down to observe the meeting and started seeing some of the work that was done. So a project was um, created Mayans, where six London boroughs were chosen. Um, sorry, I say six boroughs, six particular parts of um, London boroughs. So for Croydon, it's um, London Road. That's the particular area that, that the, the project covers. So Croydon will fund £750,000 um, over the next three years to kind of combat knife crime, etc. So from Sadiq Khan. So we're one of the senior partners. There's there's a few senior partners, about four or five senior partners. So that means partners. that if there's 750 bags, bro, that means what? A place like what a year, a space sometimes like what a bag in London Road. It's not that much. So we're looking at about twelve bags a year out of, out of seven hundred and fifty. The thing is, there's loads of senior partners. Sorry, there's a few senior partners, and then there's some more other organisations who are also involved in the project. So the way that the the, the money is distributed, um, I think, is quite evenly and fairly done and distributed based on the type of work that you're doing. But in terms of a space, I think. My biggest concern is that there are loads of derelict buildings within Croydon. Hundreds, um, man. You drive past them all the time. Exactly. Like um, on top of shops, in shops. Right. Yeah, exactly. man. Exactly. And I think that's the point where, as a community, we're like, okay, these loads of spaces here, the council don't have money. 
give us a space. We don't even mind paying for it. No one's saying that we want anything for free. free yeah, just you, you, you saying you set up the whole place how you want with your own exactly. Yeah, cool. exactly. You just need a space. Yeah, exactly. I understand what you mean. Yeah. So that's that's the goal. That's the overall goal. And I think stepping into year three, um, I don't want to be going into year four and still having this conversation about space. Like we just need to make somewhere our home, mm. where, like I said, we can feel like any young person can feel entrusted to come at any time well any time that we're open and available to actually be part of the service that we provide as opposed to us kind of working quite remotely right now and through covid it was fine because no one was going out anyway mm -hmm. but now the world's coming back to but some yeah, sort of normality need, yeah. Need, yeah, yeah, need yeah we need some space yeah, yeah 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 that's that's incredible man um so you see um working with youth yeah what is a common theme that you you get when you're working with youth? Like, what's a common feed that, like, is it girls being promiscuous? Like, what's a common theme that you get when you're working with youth? Um, I think the most common theme is trying to fit in. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing that we find the most in any particular... What, peer circle. pressure, you mean? Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that might be outside the sessions, that might be in their own personal life, that might be from home. Um... But I think that I would say that's the most common theme. So the way that we try and combat that and address that is by embracing difference, just like what we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, by embracing the fact that people are different and owning that fact. I am not like my colleagues, for example. Yeah. We're yeah, all yeah. completely different. different in, in, yeah. and, and we own that and we enjoy that. So mm. we make light of it, right? <laughs> so mm. if my colleague can do something and I can't do it, I expect him to take the mick out of me a little bit to some extent so that they can see that it's just banner. It's not that serious. Like, yeah. we, Let's not take life that deep sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's just enjoy life for what it is. If I can do 20 kick-ups and he can only do one, I might make light of him. And, and that's fine. Do you know what I mean? So just embrace the fact that we are different and we try to exercise that. One of the points that I guess people see sometimes being two black directors of an organisation mm -hmm. that work with young people and families and we mentor, etc., I think there's a perception that we, you know, we just want to work with black kids. Absolutely not. Like the, the issues that we have in our society are cultural problems, right? Mm. They don't stem from what race you are when you're born. <laughs> if you've got issues, you've got issues, right? Mm. Um, and we have young people from all different races, yeah. backgrounds, creed, colours, yeah. um, and religions. So let's embrace that and let's share that information. Just like what I said to you about my colleague asking about um, where people come from, it's part of opening up that conversation. My, my dad's from Gambia, my mum's from Jamaica. My dad was Muslim, my mum's Christian. Mm. So that difference itself is something that I can share with these young people and show like, what, what was my parents peer pressured into believing that they had to follow a particular lineage in order to, mm. to get together? Absolutely not. Like difference, difference is probably one of the most beautiful things in life, isn't it? So actually, let's own that. I think that's really, really important because um, as I grew older, that's one thing that I realised that I was very different. But you see, when you're very different, but you're trying to be the same, your your uniqueness is lost. Absolutely. And that's when I think a lot of the kids, they have talents. Like Some of them can do this, they can do that, but they're scared of how people are going to perceive Absolutely. them. So, you know, this person might be good at singing or he might be good at dancing, but he's scared, oh, the man ain't going to feel afraid. Or he might love slow jams and he's just hiding it and he's acting like he's on drill. Like, oh, get a man down. He's yeah, get a man down. Up. Then when he's by himself, he's like, I love you, yeah. <laughs> he's in his little sweet mode. But he don't want to show the man <laughs> that because he don't want to be looking. So he's scared to be himself in his natural thing. As you get older, obviously you naturally become yourself because you find yourself. Absolutely. You find what 
you like, what you don't like, what you're willing to put up with, you're not willing to put up with, what is is like a no go for you. You have your 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 boundaries. Absolutely. But when you're younger, you don't have boundaries because everybody's your everything's ev- open. Everyone's yeah, yeah. open, and peer pressure is real. Peer pressure yeah. is real. So I can um, feel that. See for. You mentor girls as well. Yeah, girls, girls as well. Yeah, yeah. What challenges do you have when you're mentoring girls? Um, Confidence. I guess for me, it w- it would be the similar thing about peer pressure because uh, again, girls are trying to fit in um, and trying to aspire to the what they think potentially men are into or boys are into for example so I've seen situations where girls don't want to play football and not interested in football at all but all the boys are playing football so then they go over and they just start playing football which isn't a bad thing um, but they're not there for the right purpose if that makes sense they're not actually there in order to play football they're there to engage with the boys and I think sometimes it um that can be a challenge in itself, especially as a male mentor. Mm. Yeah, so we have to be quite strategic in how we work with young ladies. Um, so obviously we have women that work for us also, and we have to ensure that situations are managed appropriately. If that makes sense. So I can't go up to a girl, a young girl, and say, "Well, I know you was only there because the boys are there," but it's also about maybe going to my colleague and saying, "Maybe introduce her to this. Maybe introduce her to that. Maybe she might." want to do so a good example is like tiktok tiktok studios um girls kind of love that whole dancing thing mm. once they have things like that available to them like you said they go in their own natural habitat and they're enjoying themselves mm. but by not giving them those provisions they are just going to follow naturally what most of the boys are doing if that makes sense mm. so i guess that's that's one of the challenges that i would say that that can be faced um, i wouldn't say necessarily we face but i think it can be faced to be fair that's serious. I don't even know that. I don't even know that. But, um, yeah, plug the people in with what you do, man, and everything you do. Yeah, so Project for Youth Empowerment, www.p4ye.co.uk, um, Instagram, Project for Youth Empowerment, Twitter, Project for Youth E1. Um, the four in everything is the number four, as opposed to the, the words four. Yeah. F-O-U-R. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not F O U R. It's just the number four. Um so yeah, like check us out, check out our website, check out our Instagram. Um we're always open to have new conversations, to network with new people, to kind of just carry on building. I think there's knowledge that we can share and, and give to others. And I think definitely always open to learning from other people as well yeah, in terms of building the business, building the, the organization and kind of just having an opportunity to have a higher reach. But also, if there's any volunteers, we're happy to take on any volunteers that want to support That would be good, though, if you get a lot of young volunteers as well. Like, people not too old, but not too young. You know the ones that just kind of got up, so, like, but they're trying. Yes. Because that would even take them away from certain things. Exactly. And it'll make them think a little different, because I remember when I was, like, doing something similar to that, it made me question doing certain bad Mm -hmm. things. They were like, oh, these little youths are looking up to me now, to a certain extent. I'm just telling them not to do something. I have to be careful now. Mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't want to... It, it does have a tiny effect, no matter what. It, it does have a little tiny effect because it makes you want to just be a little bit better as a person. So we're privileged enough to be able to hire free young people. So we, we have free roles for young people who do different kind of roles, um, which, again, is a blessing to us. We had a girl, actually, who recently completed a, a master's in law. Mm-hmm. She was working with us for a number of months, but then got another position at a company um, for a legal firm. 
she built some great relationships with young people during this time. Um, and she left about a month ago. She still comes to our sessions. She still comes in online on a Thursday. She came yesterday to our Saturday session because of the relationships that have been built. There are some particular young people in our sessions that only engage with her, if that makes sense. So we kind of need her to be there. And when I say only engage, they don't only engage, but there's a different level of warmth when yeah, she's yeah, around. Yeah, and yeah, we just yeah. got to utilise and understand that. Yeah. We can't engage with every, every single person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the power of life. You mm -hmm. have to be able to adapt mm -hmm. and if she's working and it's working for her then yeah let her yeah, do it because yeah, that's, yeah. that's adaption I think the biggest stunt into growth is people not being able to adapt to new environments absolutely you know what I'm saying scared I'm, of change yes mm -hmm. very scared mm -hmm. of change mm -hmm. and and looking at change as it's something weird mm -hmm. I never forget when everything changed and everyone's like all oh, these mumble rappers look at them and just chatting rubbish they're not even doing anything but they're making money mm -hmm. they're winning so you can call them whatever you like but they're winning that's right. So mm. if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to win because that's the game's right. yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. That's right. It's all changed. It's all mm. weird now. Does it make sense? Mm -hmm. Dye your hair, grow little dreads. You have to be weird. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And say crazy stuff. You have to be a little bit different. If you're not willing to do that and get mad tattoos all over your body <laughs> and speak mad crazy, then you're going to be looked at as just something. So you might be doing it for yourself, but you're not adapting with the times. And I feel like every animal in wild wilderness, they adapt to their environment. Absolutely. Do you, do you make sense? Mm -hmm. Like you'll never catch a tiger that's living in the mountains acting like a tiger in the jungle. Absolutely. It's different because he knows that this is different terrain. Mm -hmm. I've got to change. If this is what I'm going to survive here, I'm going to have to be different. And um, like I said, it, that's very important that you said that, that um, you have someone else that they adapts and people draw nearer to because mm -hmm. you can't deal with everyone. And, and you've got to recognise, you've got to use people around you wisely, right? You can't try and do everything in this world. Like you can't mm. try and take over the whole world on your own. No, um, and you've got to use people to their strengths as well. Yeah. And if you've got someone who is able to engage in a better way than I am able to engage, then we're using that person. There's no, like, I'm not doing a young person an injustice by just saying, well, no, I'm, I'm owning this. Even though they're only giving me 40 to 50%, but they're giving you the 90%, but you know, I'm just going to keep the 40% because no. I want to do that work. No, it's not about, and like I said, it's really not about us. And as much as often we've got to speak at certain events or we've got to stand up and talk, it's, it's always about the young people. It's always about them. Like I, I couldn't care less about going to speak at, um, you know, City Hall or speak to Sadiq Khan about some of the work, the great work that we do if we are not fundamentally focused on the young people. And, and again, it just comes back to that whole thing about engaging and empowering and that's all Project Youth Empowerment are about. If you had any um, advice to a young person, what advice would you give them? So, one of the young people's his birthday today, he's just turned 15, so we have a WhatsApp group of our young people and I just said to him, do you know what? For me... Just think about what you're going to achieve over the next 365 days. Mm. How are you going to achieve it? And anything that you want to achieve, you have our back and we will support you to try and achieve that. I can't make false promises. I can't tell a young man, if he says to me that he wants to play for Arsenal by the end of this year, <laughs> that I, I can make that happen. Yeah. But if he's really passionate about football and he really wants to do it, then let's do it. Let's go to a football club. Let's sign you up. Let's, like, let's yeah. make this your real goal, innit? And let's transform this from a goal into reality. But for me, yeah, young people, I just want them to realise their potential. Like, I think we have to expose them to new things. Like, we have police officers come in and speak to the young people because from a perspective of prevention, number one, and secondly, do they want to become police officers in their later life? Mm -hmm. Like, what's to stop 
a young person saying that they want to become a police officer or a lawyer. Um, it's our responsibility to try and give them and expose them to as much opportunity as possible. And I think that's what... Um, that right there is called the social divide. The social divide is that some people have access mm-hmm. to things that other people don't have access to. Exactly. And I always mention this story about... I used to do football training, yeah? And um, I used to do, like, little contract work here and there. And one day they sent me to some school in Richmond. It was all long to get to and got to the school. And it was, like, 8 in the morning, yeah? And I saw all these parents, all these cars. And I was like, why is this one people here? 8 o'clock in the morning, man. As I went into the school to, like, um, sign up to say mm-hmm. that I'm here, it was a chess club. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because um, I don't remember any chess clubs when I was younger, mm-hmm. especially going at 8 o'clock or 9 mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning to be the chess champion by 12 or 1 o'clock in the day. Who does that? Mm-hmm. They had a golf and, and a rugby pitch. And I was like, golf? These kids playing golf in school? Bro, we didn't even know what golf was to this day. I only played golf once when I went to um, some place in East London. Top you golf. Know? Yeah, top <laughs> golf. Man, it really... No one's ever said to me, oh, here's opportunity. You could try and play golf. And it's the same with tennis. And that's why the people that... When you do see certain ethnic people going into them sports, they do really well because mm-hmm. they excel because they never... They weren't... Yeah, if yeah. you had more people in there, there'd just be more people in there. It's, the whole sport would just be changed. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that opportunities and the kids getting different opportunities is very, very important Absolutely. for the growth of not just them, but society. Yeah. Yeah. Society. Because when you see a black barrister, you make it... When your child doesn't want to be a barrister, it makes you know that, right, I've seen it happen. Absolutely. Of course you can do it. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's about showing them these examples. Um, yeah. DJs we have on. like We have a, a variety of people on teaching young people about different things and coming from two perspectives. Like, number one, education side of things, but two, opportunity side of things. So there's always two sides to kind of how we deliver these sessions. So, yeah, we want to give you that knowledge. We want to give you that factual-based stuff. But also, do you know what? Young people, if this is something that you want to aspire to, this is how you go about it. Yeah, that's that's the that's the key right there, because um, I feel like when you come from, um, sometimes some your household can be the most negative place for you. A lot of young mm-hmm. people are suffering in their households yep. from their parents telling them that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? Well, mm-hmm. it's not. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. Just be a doctor. Just be a mm-hmm. like they would say things that, what they project for, for all these statements. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To be a doctor, but I don't want to be a doctor. Most kids that go to college don't actually want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I was in college doing business studies, and tell the truth, all I was thinking in my head is I can't wait for this bell to go so I can get back to the block because I got about four shots that I got a lick, and I got someone on the ends that's licking up shots for me. I need to go and collect my money. That's all I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. So really, my family should just said to me, "Go get a job." Mm-hmm. I would have never got in bad trouble because I'd have been so busy working, stacking my shelves or doing whatever I was doing, I wouldn't even been on the roads because that would have been my, my thing to my money because mm-hmm. all I wanted at that time was money. Some people don't want to go for five, six years of education. They don't want to do that. They just want to make the money. Mm-hmm. That's their life. I know a man that went to university eight years and he was working for me. He's like, yeah, I've got a degree. I was like, yeah, but you're working for me right now. I'm yeah, the manager. Yeah. You do what I told you to do right now. Simple. But he went to university, spent all these grands, got all this money, got a big car, all this on finance. Bro, you work for me now. I'm the manager. I didn't do none of this stuff. I'm from the streets, bro. Like, I don't know none of this stuff. But now you're working for me. So some people, like I said, they just wanted money. I'm not saying not to get an education and to, to do all of that, but I'm saying parents need to start listening to their children when they Absolutely. say to them like what they want to do not telling them listen to what the child says the child says yeah I want to do this or do that just listen to them try and help them as best as, as possible you know what I'll conclude with on that though um, 
a lot of parents need help. That's the issues that we're having as well. Um, mm. A lot of parents actually need help. So that's the other side of what we do as well, parental support. Because kind of what you alluded to a moment ago, if the parent's telling the young person that this is what I want you to do, or that's what I want you to do, or you're never going to be this, or you're never going to be that, it partly comes from their own childhood and from some of the mm. own issues that they face or from their, the breakdown of their relationship sometimes or their own personal issues that they're going through, their own mental health, their own mm. trauma. And if we're not addressing that, then really we're putting a young person back into an environment that's kind of unhealthy. So we're taking them out of that environment. We're mm. kind of giving these opportunities. We're saying, yeah, you can do this. You can achieve this with your life. Mm. But predominantly they're spending time at home and we're putting them back in that situation where they're being told that they're not worth anything or they're being told that they have to do this and they have to achieve this. Um, and that's just putting false pressure on a young person as opposed to, let's have conversations. Like, what does your young person really want to do with their life? If you sat down with some parents and said to them, what does your young person want to achieve with their life? They couldn't give you an answer. They couldn't mm. articulate what, what, what the answer is. And as, as brutal as it sounds, but some parents don't care. They don't actually care about it. And as you know, like let's let's not beat behind the bush. Some parents are encouraging their young people to go out on the road and sell drugs and and put money towards the rent and, and yeah, the electric yeah, and, and the gas, yeah. etc. When things go wrong, mm. those parents might be the ones that are saying, oh, not my Johnny. But at the same time, they were the ones encouraging the young person to kind of continue with that yeah, kind I of think, lifestyle. Yeah, I think a lot of parents do that subconsciously. So for instance, say I'll give you an example, yeah? A parent's not telling their children to trap, but they're saying, if you're getting money and you're living in my yard, you better pay rent. Mm -hmm. But she knows that he hasn't got a job. Mm -hmm. She knows that he's bringing stuff in the house. She can smell stuff. She can see stuff. Mm -hmm. She's seeing money. She's seeing scales. But she's just like, make sure I have my 250, 350 in the end of the month. And I know someone's mum that done that to him. And the person, um, he actually died not too long ago. And... His situation is worse than anyone's situation because his mum was saying, from your your what's it your gyro, yeah, mm -hmm. what you're getting at a job center, I want some money from that. I want one fifty from that. Now I swear down the gyro's like I don't know three bills or something. I swear it's like three bills, maybe three six. I don't I don't I don't even know. I'm sorry, I, I don't know. Um, not to sound like I'm better than anyone, but I just don't know. But I know he was giving his mum one fifty and only having one fifty for himself monthly. Now you do the maths on that what he's actually living and his mum didn't give up rocks she's wanting that money so say for instance he was trapping and getting money and he's giving it to her she didn't care all she wanted was, was the doll was the money mm. like you don't get my money you're not having somewhere to live so what that does in a young person's mind is goes into he goes into his survival mode mm -hmm. and his survival mode now is who can help me to get money fast mm -hmm. now i walk out my door all the positive black men that are meant to be supporting as a community are at work or with their mm -hmm. families. Mm -hmm. I haven't got time to be on the block. I'm driving through the ends. I might see you mm -hmm. on an off occasion and chat with you quickly. But on a nine to ten, nine out of ten, I'm all tired from mm -hmm. work. I've got like I'm responsibilities. I'm going home to my family. Yeah. To my family. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know what I'm saying? I've got, I've got more, in, in, in the spare time I do have, I'm going to visit my mum. They're the people mm -hmm. that I'm trying to give my free time to, my family, like my brother and stuff like this. So, you have to understand that some of these young people now, like, they're suffering because it's hard for them to even open up to Absolutely. anybody. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I understand that. I understand that fully, man. Yeah, it's a complex game, man. It's, it's a very complex I game. I understand that fully, man. That parents actually need more support than the child yeah. does sometimes. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, what, that's what we identify Sometimes. That's really good. I didn't know you lot did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually that's probably one of the biggest roles, especially when you've got a, long, a lot of young mothers and fathers out there. Single parents, that's 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 very key. Mm. 
that's key to the to to the success of society. If I'm honest, and I think the power of it is the beautiful thing about it is is that bringing those parents together to have them open conversations amongst ourselves. And not feel embarrassed. Exactly. Because yeah. a lot of times, a parent might feel isolated. That they're the only one going through a particular situation with a young man or young woman. Once you start opening up their mind and getting them to speak to other parents, and also, we're all parents. Everyone in Project Youth Empowerment is a parent. Mm-hmm. So we can also share our own experiences. And again, it comes back to the whole thing about vulnerabilities. None of us are per- perfect parents. Mm-hmm. There is no rule book to parenting. And we've all made mistakes along the line and we've all either known a situation or heard of a situation or or been privy to something. And yeah, once parents start hearing other parents having similar issues, it's like, oh, okay, so it's not Not, just me. Okay, cool. Now I can, now you can get deeper into the small nuances of the situation as opposed to just kind of thinking, you know, it's just me in this corner on my own who manages this crazy young person who no one in the world has ever dealt with before. Um, just on a random question, um, we've already probably um spoke about this here, but um, we already spoke about this. Is crying a sign of weak strength or weakness? Um, for me, well, just from a personal perspective, yeah, or personal, from, personal. From, from a personal perspective, um, I think it's a sign of strength. Personally, um, we don't hesitate to laugh when something's funny, right? Mm. We don't hesitate to smile when something makes us happy. Mm. So why do we hesitate to cry when something makes us sad? Like, for me, um, I'm not going to say I'm, a, I'm not a crybaby, but mm. I, I embrace the fact that I cry. I have to have a moment sometimes. Mm. And I think, again, it's a, it's a reset moment because if I don't go through that emotion, I'm just going to ca- carry on feeling that emotion mm. and having done anything about it. I think crying sometimes allows me to get to that point where I'm, I've now expressed it and speaking about it probably is the, the biggest thing for me. I always try to find... If if I'm at a point where I have to cry about something, then I need to speak about something. Mm. Um, and I need to find someone to speak to it, to speak to, to someone, to speak to someone about it. Mm. And so who I identify as the right person to speak to about it might be a different person on, on different occasions. Yeah. But um, for me, yeah, I have to... I have to embrace the fact that I cry. So, like, the biggest pivotal moment for me in my life was when my dad died. And Mm. I wasn't in agony and major tears. But one thing, consistently for two weeks, every morning I woke up, I cried. Every single morning for two weeks. Um, And I needed that. I needed to get that out of me Mm -hmm. in order for me to kind of go through my emotions. Without going through that, I kind of felt like I was just kind of stagnating my own development and... Mm. I was living in a world where I wasn't being true to myself. So mm. I'll be honest, yeah, I'd kind of cry to myself, but sometimes openly it would come out in front of people. Mm. And again, like for me, I have to I have to own that fact that if I don't cry, then I don't it's just like sitting in a room, you're in a, you're at a comedy show and just sitting there with your face like this. Mm. But everything's funny, but yeah, you're yeah. just sitting there with your face like this. Uh, the two don't correlate, right? Mm. So you just have to for me and I, Again, going back to the young people, I always try to encourage them to embrace their emotion. I've seen some of the young people cry at times, sometimes just through frustration. Sometimes you can cry happy tears, you know. It's not always a bad moment. Yeah, like yeah. Sometimes you're just proud. Like yeah. When my daughter started school, um, started um, year seven, I felt like I could have cried. I didn't, but I felt like I could have cried. Yeah. When my daughter was born, I cried. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was happy tears. I wasn't crying anything negative. It was like, <laughs> man, I'm a dad now. I'm like, yeah, yeah. this is, <laughs> life's real. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, yeah, crying, crying's a strength. It's crying's a strength. And um, 
the reason why I'm, I'm asking a lot of black men this is because I feel like this conversation, we don't even have this conversation. Know, this what we Growing up with your parents, you, you barely, I've never even seen my dad cry. Mm. I don't even know if my dad can cry. Mm. One day my mum said to me, my dad cried. I was looking at her thinking, you're weird. Like, <laughs> I looked to my mum like, you're lying because the bravado that he's always had is like this tough guy, mm-hmm. never cry. But I'm starting to see that, wow, man's got emotions, so what do I do now? Mm-hmm. So by not crying, man's expressing my, my way in a different way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I might be moving rage with everyone. Everyone's like, bro, what's wrong with my man? Like, you all right? But it's because as a human, tears are meant to come out of your eyes. That's why they get formed and they come out. Absolutely. They're not meant to stay in. If you ever try to hold tears and it hurts your head, you get a headache. Oh. So that means that, that, that psychologically is not good for you. So you're meant to let tears out. Even if someone says, bro, why are you even being emotional? Bro, because I'm feeling emotional. Mm. You're allowed to feel emotions. We're As emotional. a black man, I don't know what is this, this bravado about us that we're not allowed to show emotion. And I feel like every other community of people, they'll show their emotion, mm-hmm. you know. And it's only with us that we, we, we don't like talking about it. We feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. even having these conversations. And I want the younger generation to grow up and say, no, it's all right. I cried today. Mm. I feel better now. I don't feel like I want to hurt anyone. I just feel calm. Like I've had my tears. I had my little my little hour or two to myself. I let my tears out. I was feeling a little bit emotional. You know what I'm saying? But I'm back to normal now. Mm. Instead of holding that in, and before you know it, it comes out in some next type of way. It's perpetrated on, on the whole world in some evil way or in a narcissistic way. Or you know what I'm saying? In a relationship with a woman or or a relationship with his friends or you know, do you know what I'm saying? Because he's finding it hard to express his emotions. Mm-hmm. So that, that's why um, I asked that question. Yeah, man, it's yeah. an important question as well, man. And, and like, like you said, it's just a conversation that, that needs to happen. It's funny that we spoke about it before. Yeah, before we spoke about it before. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a conversation that definitely needs to be had. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm definitely with all that, man, because um, I don't think that we should um, place these... Some things that we learned that from our parents weren't good things. Not everything was great. Absolutely. And we need to start changing the generational curses and still... Letting them ride on like, oh yeah, man, not cry, man's tough, man's this. No, man, exactly. man's a human. Exactly. Man's a human. I feel emotion. If I feel emotion today, I'm I'm gonna cry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For whatever reason, I don't care what someone says. Why are you crying about that? Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. to me is what it's hurting me. You wouldn't understand it, but for me, it's it's hurting. So, but you know what? Though? I'm gonna say one thing though, just on that note, because obviously I gave my personal perspective, but that whole intergenerational stuff that you just mentioned is part of the reason why, incorrectly, are parents and their parents and their parents etc were not allowed to cry growing up in the societies that they lived and how the world was at the time and I don't want to go in too deep into the slave trade because mm-hmm. it's not that type of conversation but fundamentally the traumas that they experienced crying was like the opposite of their emotion because they, it, crying wasn't even an option for them so to speak because even if they cried when they were getting beat or, or they, were, they were getting mistreated or they were seeing mistreatment of their family or their, their partners etc they just had to endure that. Um, so it made them a lot more robust, right? And that kind of perpetuates down to their children and their children. And we're getting to a point now, like you're saying, as a society, we're having these conversations finally. Um, but something um, something had to change in it in order for us to get to this point. But yeah, historically, I can understand why the lack of emotion sometimes yeah, yeah. is shown. I know, I know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's, the, it's the trauma passed down by parents, 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 mm-hmm. parents. But we need to start breaking generational Absolutely. curses, and Absolutely. that's one of them. That's mm-hmm. just one. We got like millions. Loads, yeah, we, got, loads. we got a million to deal with over here, but that's just one. Mm. And we need to take that one, eliminate that, and then and take then another one, yeah, eliminate, and, one. Yeah. Uh, eliminate that one, and then 
You know what I'm saying? Instead of being in jobs where they're just comfortable, let's build generational wealth. But they're not everybody's made to be a leader. I feel like not everybody's made to be the boss. I feel like when sometimes you're doing doing business with your friends and mm-hmm. people that you loved, everyone wants to be at the top. I want to be the name. I want to. I'm just like, bro, we're all working together, regardless who's the boss or not. We're working to a common goal. Mm-hmm. That's what really matters. Any business, you don't. Most people don't know the CEO of McDonald's or the CEO exactly. of yeah. Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. Mm-hmm. Does it matter? No. Are we going to buy the product? Yes. Do you see where I'm going? So it doesn't matter who's at the top. It just matters that we're all working in consciousness to make money so that we can build mm-hmm. wealth for our families and create different opportunities for our children so they don't have to grow up and be like, oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. But um, I totally agree. That's another conversation for another day. But you said you're from Gambia. Have you been to Gambia? Never been to the Gambia. Oh, no. I heard it's called the Smiling Coast. Yeah, I know. The Smiling <laughs> Coast. My brother's out there now. He loves it. He doesn't want to come back here. He moved out there. He said, I'm not coming back to And then he just showed, he sent me an article and said, Gambia is the safest country in the world. Yeah, I know. Yeah, crime, crime rate and stuff. Yeah. Safest country yeah, in the world. Yeah. But it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. It's still, still safe, though. Mm. I said, what is crime? He's like, not really that. Man will try to bump you on like yeah. business and that. But he's like, that's anywhere, isn't yeah, it? But yeah. he said crime, like as for like people stealing or... Yeah. Like, he said you low. can leave your front door open, open. Yeah. and um, you never have to worry about someone coming into your yard. That's what he said. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.